Hello and welcome to Swing Stuff, the podcast in which we talk about swing dancing, swing music and all of the various stuff that intersects with swing dance culture both historically and today. My name is Ruby Bell and in today's episode I spoke to Michaela Del Monte who is a dancer based in London and also a wonderful event organiser. Uh, you may know her from London Swing Festival or London Throwdown or a lot of the great events we have here in London. So thank you Michaela for joining Uh, Today we spoke about events, basically. How do you run an event? Uh, I've never run an event before. I'm very curious as to how it works. We talked about um, what an event organizer does, um, what kind of team it takes to run an event, how to deal with changes on the fly, and lots of other great things. So um, I really enjoyed this episode and it's a great little taster for how to run an event. Maybe if you are somebody who wants to run an event in your scene for the first time, Or um, maybe you're just curious as to, you know, as an attendee, how do events work? What does it look like behind the scenes? So thank you so much to Michaela for coming on board today. Um, Just a heads up that we did record this episode earlier in the year, pre-pandemic times. Uh, We recorded this episode in February and one of the events we do talk about in the episode is London Swing Festival, which was originally scheduled for May, but has very sadly needed to be um, postponed um, like many events and the new date is scheduled for November 2020. So if you're interested in finding out more information about that, you can do so at the London Swing Festival website. That is londonswingfestival.co.uk. And yeah, check that out. I know that I am aching for a swing dance event. As soon as it is safe to um, be dancing again and leaving the house, I certainly look forward to booking some events and having a dance. Um, Cool. So that's today's episode. Just a quick shout out to say that if you are enjoying the podcast so far, you can support on Patreon. Um, I also got some stickers made. So at the moment, those stickers are just available on Patreon for the second tier members. But um, I might at some stage um, just sell them or um, do a giveaway. I'm not quite sure yet, but if you like the stickers, let me know. And also, if you like this episode, um, please share it with somebody who you think might enjoy it. That really helps me and um, it helps people find out about the show. So I hope everyone is doing okay right now. I hope you are able to find some things that you enjoy. Some days I really don't want to dance and I don't want to think about dancing. And then other days I'm really energized by it. So wherever you are right now, um, I hope that you are enjoying yourselves. Cool. So um, here is today's episode. Thank you. Michaela, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, great. (laughs) First question done. Um, So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, Who are you and where are you from? So I am 100% Londoner. I'm from North London, um, but I've lived in South London for more or less 10 years. And yeah, so I I guess I feel more like a South London person, but because I didn't grow up there, South London people will probably disown me as anyone <laughs> I don't really belong um but yeah I went to posh school so I 
talk posh mostly so <laughs> I've, yeah. I feel like I'm still trying to wrap my head around the different accents like within London and then within England like there's no English accent oh yeah there's lots of different kinds mm. um, I love the English accents I think I just maybe sometimes I wish my accent was not my so maybe that's why like <laughs> I try and talk like different people not on purpose <laughs> um, yeah yeah top top accents for me are like Birmingham, Liverpool, mm. um, Kiwi. Just love it. Yeah. I mean, I know Kiwi is not the UK, Trinity. but yeah, the holy trinity of accents <laughs> for me. And yeah, I just think they're great. Yeah. Um, like every time I talk to Kat Foley, I'm just like accidentally try and sound a bit scouse, even though that's not me. I just like it. It's just everything's boss. And yeah, you know, I can't do it. I'm, I can't do accents on purpose. Like, sort yeah. of thing, but. My dad's got a weird hybrid of accents because um, he is from sort of the Midlands area, but um, like spent a lot of time in Liverpool growing up and then 25 years in Australia. So he's got like <laughs> crazy medley. A, a mix. Yeah, a medley. Um, so tell me a bit about your dance story. Um, like, how did you find swing dancing? Um, what are you doing these days? Um, so I started swing dancing because my friend Sasha, who I'm at uni, um, who I'm at art school, she was she decided that she wanted to do dancing because she tried doing musical instruments and it wasn't her jam. So she was like, well, I'm going to be good at dancing. So, you know that's going to be my thing she's like do you want to come to this class we'll learn this dance and then we'll go and we'll learn all the other dances I was like yeah cool I like no idea what swing dancing is um just yeah happy to like hang out with her and go along for the ride and then we went to the first class and um in Angel and we were like I, I remember we after like we'd learned the steps and then they put the music on to do like the basic step. And we just looked at each other like, this is really cool. And we just like hooked after that, I think, because they had a level one class and then they had, must've been like a level 1.5 class or something or level two class maybe. And we just asked the teachers like, can we stay and watch? Cause we just want to have a look like, this looks really cool. And they were like, yeah, sure. So we just sat there. We didn't talk to each other for an hour. We just watched the whole class just in silence. Cause we just thought it was really cool. I think, you know, they, they play a few songs between the classes and um, one of the other students who'd come for the second class came and asked my friend Sasha for a dance. She's like, oh yeah, I, I'm a beginner though. And he was like, yeah, no worries. And then, and obviously like, we just learned Tandem Charleston. So of course we didn't know shit. <laughs> That's really mental. Um, but yeah, that was like my first class. And then we were just hooked after that. She doesn't dance anymore. I think she stopped after like a year. But I was just super into it after that. That's great. And so how long has it been since that first class? Um, Nine years. Hey, you're yeah. coming up for the double digits. I know. Very. Yeah. <laughs> and so what do you, like, what would you say you spend most of your dancing hours doing at the moment? Um, you know between teaching and social dancing like how do you spend your time in the dance community yeah so I teach some classes I teach um, two troops one is Skyliners so we work on social dancing and skills to do with improving technique dance technique and just finding new ways to have fun with dancing and then Club Stomp is our kind of uh, performance troupe developmental performance troupe so we work on air steps, we work on switch dancing, we work on learning the other roles and we work on obviously performing and solo jazz and Lindy Hop and Charleston and all those things. And that's super fun. Uh, it's really nice to work with cool people every week. And yeah, I teach some weekly classes in solo and Lindy Hop 
and occasionally get to go abroad or like elsewhere to teach if I'm lucky but it's not like a regular regular thing but it's fun to be asked and event organizing mostly for swing patrol um do between one and three events for them per year cool and and that's what I mean going to different events is often quite a highlight for lots of dancers you know a lot of us um have experience as an attendee but uh, not a lot of us know what it's like to actually organize an event and what goes into running an event um so I've always been super curious about what that's like so my question is um what does an event organizer do Mm. (laughs) (laughs) like what is a lot of things um yeah I guess I want to um caveat by saying that obviously I um, really enjoy running events and hope I get to still do that. It's a real privilege and an honor to get to do it because it's not my like profession. Like I'm not a trained event organizer in like my day job. I don't. Yeah. I wonder do if that. anyone is like, yeah. yeah, well, like, yeah. So I work with Pippa to her as well and she is an event organizer. That's right. like her day job. Yeah. And obviously she doesn't her day job is not organizing swing dance events but she um you know that's her skill set for sure um and there are people who you know are stage managers who are event organizers so there's a lot of crossover in that but I definitely came to it by being a volunteer and being up for just helping with anything and everything and then got offered opportunities so I guess I feel like oh there's still a lot of things I have no idea about (laughs) and um I I still really enjoy learning about how to do things better not just by doing obviously like your own events but um like every time I go to events other people's events elsewhere abroad or in the UK or anywhere I'm just like oh yeah like that's how it would be if I did that or like I really like how they did that I'll try and do that in my thing or oh I have no there's no possibility we could ever do that but wouldn't that be great if you know so and so on so yeah uh, so lots of things I don't know and sorry <laughs> and sorry to all the event okay. organizers around the world if I say the wrong thing no heckling please <laughs> away I will have to learn yeah. um mm. so yeah so I guess I just wanted to say that um, <laughs> um but yeah I guess um as an event organizer there's like a few different bits that you have to work with you've got to obviously uh decide or, you know, if sometimes the decisions are made for you, depending on who you organize the event for, whether it's as a committee or whether it's for a dance school or, you know, if you're doing it purely on your own and you're just bringing uh, friends to help you, you've got to decide what's like the vision of the event or like, you know, what do you want to get out of it? What do you want people to get out of it as attendees? And then um, making a plan about when it's going to happen. Um, so once you've kind of fixed your dates and so on, um, you want to book people if you've got teachers who you want to kind of invite and um, you've got to book them in advance you've got to kind of liaise with them over like their contracts and their travel plans and if you need to do any visa stuff accommodation dietary requirements um get all that kind of stuff in place so that they're going to be accommodated and happy when they come um you've got to figure out any kind of scheduling stuff to do with classes if you've got classes or if you've just got parties you want to figure out what size venues do you need book in your venues as early as you can fees and tax and um equipment hire security um sound levels curfew times um that kind of thing um and i guess then you want to once you've got some venues you want to figure out 
like obviously how people are going to get around between those places the best events are always where everything happens in one place that's the dream um Mm. but not every place is able to do that for not just financial reasons but i guess you know sometimes you need you're like going for a certain atmosphere or you want to have a bit of change of scene so that attendees kind of feel like they're not coming to the same thing every night. You know, they want to have like a bit of a different um, flavor of the area that they're staying in or that that the event's taking place in. And then you've got to bring your team in. You've got to do all your social media and your marketing, set up your tickets, set up your website if you've got a website, um, promote the event, get people to know about it, print flyers and get people to look at your flyers, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that kind of thing. Tell people about it like all the time, <laughs> which is exhausting, but also I'm really not good at that bit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then like obviously once that kind of stuff is all, once you kind of set up all the things in motion that like, need to be there then you just need to make sure that you know your budget is good that you can make the money that you need to make to cover the things that you want to do um usually we kind of like make a few different budgets um we have like a shoestring budget where like if we can't make any money these are things we have to cut out um we have like an ideal budget which is like you know our dreams (laughs) and then we've got like if we sell all our tickets these are all the amazing extra things we can add Uh, kind of budget so those are like that's how me and Pippa tend to work together on that um but so many changing goalposts all the time um every event's unique um not just because of the events that we do but because of the scene and um economies and politics and everything can change what affects people buying tickets or not buying tickets um so sometimes it's like yeah this is great we're quids in we can make all our dreams happen and sometimes you're thinking oh god i'm never gonna make enough money to do this and then suddenly people buy tickets at like two weeks before the event and you're like oh god if i'd known this i didn't have to cancel this 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 so yeah um obviously like if you've got classes then you have to think about your lead follow ratio do you do a wait list do you do tickets where it's like couples can sign up together and what's the political significance of that and um sensitivities around that obviously um you know do you do an early bird discount there's lots of like little details i Mm -hmm. guess um and so many pros and cons for all those kind of things um but yeah there's like a bunch of admin that you have to do um, once things are kind of off the ground just to kind of keep things ticking over making sure that things are balanced that you know people are getting the thing that they need or like switching levels or someone can't come anymore how do you manage that you know um, and then once the event is kind of close you've got to get all your kit together if you've got any stuff to decorate venues or if you've got your like checking in stuff you've got to print all your documents get all your signage ready make sure you've got your emergency stuff like you know um first aid kits and so on and so on your first aiders know who they are and what times they need to do what make sure people have got information that they need for the event so you've got to send your email to like hey this is what's happening and here's the schedule and here's how you can find updates etc and usually every day there's just like a big clean up that needs to happen sorting stuff out and the handing overs <laughs> yeah. and yeah and then like the last day of the event after that you know when you've put out all the fires i'm not literal fires <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta like kind of round up everything together make sure things are organized ready for the next thing then rest a lot after that wow it sounds like there's so many different kinds of skills that are involved 
yeah or like a knowledge of different disciplines and then being able to manage those different disciplines or or have an understanding of that yeah it sounds like probably the biggest skill is like communication and empathy and all of those kind of life skills in working with people yeah totally which I'm sure you're very good at (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I mean that's the great thing about working in a team is that yeah like you can prop up each other Mm. you know things that I'm not good at the other event organizer will be good at or um, vice versa it's not that you have to do everything together I, I I'm sure other teams work really well where there's like a clear delineation of tasks like you're going to do this and I'm going to do this and there is a little bit of that to an extent mm. with the with the team that I work with but um it's a little bit more fluid mm. so that you know we can kind of accommodate oh I don't have time to do this this week can you check this or mm. you know we just kind of fill in the gaps um and then it's just about communicating oh I did this that's where we left off I think yeah you're right communication is super important <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah well like you said it's it sounds like you work with a good team and like one doesn't yeah. need to be great at everything and like mm. it's not possible really to no. be to be good at everything so being part of a team is really important in that respect yeah yeah, yeah. how how many people um like for context in terms mm. of a big event um say like with London Swing Festival how many people would be involved in a team to get an event of that scale off the ground mm. I guess it's changed a lot over the years and what we're doing at the moment is maybe a little bit different to what we did last year um in the past what we'd probably have is there'd be like two of us doing stuff from from the beginning um and kind of managing it throughout um is that like a year before yeah the event runs exactly okay yeah so it kind of it's feels a bit like for us that because it's a yearly event we start running we start thinking about the next year's event during the event itself so if there's people that you already know oh I want to book these people for next time or oh we're going to want to have these tickets set up beforehand or you know we want people to kind of be still buzzed from this event and book on already next for the next year's event you already need to have a little bit of an idea of what things you want to do and that's good for us because it means you know we we are lucky enough to know that we will be continuing to do it next time Mm -hmm. but obviously not all committees work that way sometimes it's if it's a student run or organization the student body might change for the next year so they might not be the same people and they'll have to do a handover but we yeah we usually have two of us making some key decisions and managing the bulk of the work from a year before the festival and then midway through that so maybe like six months in or eight months in we'll bring on another team of people and they're going to be much more to do with the actual running of the festival and the weekend itself Mm. so they'll be doing things like teacher coordination so they might have to do a little bit of emailing or preparation in like the week before but they'll mostly do stuff that's um very specific to that time frame and there'll be people to kind of look after the workshops um and maybe sometimes we'll have someone to look after the bands or um evening event managing so that we can kind of go home early if we need to um people managing the front desk registrations anything like that volunteers coordinator we used to have a hosting coordinator but london's really shocking for hosting so we don't do that anymore yeah um but yeah so it was probably like one or two of us running running the show from the beginning and then maybe like five to eight people to kind of either do a little bit of lead up work but not too far in advance or just solely work 
um, work on things during the weekend. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously you've got your team of volunteers and depending on how you use your time and how you use your team, we've in the past, we've had anything from like 15 to like, I don't know, 30 volunteers maybe. Um, but every event's so different, I think, in that respect, like in what you'll need and what you can afford to use. Like London Swing Festival is really lucky in that it's got quite a good number of people who can attend and want to attend. Um, and it means we can afford to use really amazing people from our scene to help prop up the work that we as event organizers already are doing. So we kind of use their support and then they get to attend for free and they can, you know, they'll attend the workshops or they'll attend the socials or they'll, sometimes we give them like a, like a pass to the next festival where they're not, you know, doing any responsibility mm. things, tasks or whatever. Um, what do you enjoy about organizing events? Like what keeps you doing it? I think that organizing stuff is really fun. Obviously not everything is fun with organizing stuff. As we all know, if anyone's ever had to organize their own birthday party, not everything is fun. But I think, you know, in the same way that if you had to organize your own birthday party, there's kind of like the dream is that you get to decide about what are all the fun things that people are going to get to do and making a really fun time for everyone to enjoy and thinking about all the fun ways that you could make it awesome and cool is great. Like I really enjoy that part. Um, I also just really enjoy being at the event and trying to make sure that things are happening how they should be happening, making sure that people are happy, that everyone is okay, that, you know, attendees and team and any guests or, you know, whoever that they got what they need. And I, I don't really care about being in the spotlight with event organizing. Like I, the thing I don't, I don't really enjoy is the thanking bit that we still do at the end of the what festival. Do you mean? Also like, I don't know, maybe it's an archaic tradition, but like there's a bit of like um, at the end of the festival, usually on the last night, it's, you know, tradition that you thank all your volunteers, you thank all the team, you thank all the teachers, you thank everyone who's come to the festival and have made it really special. And obviously that's an important thing to do. And then they turn the mic on you and they thank <laughs> you. Um, and I just find that bit really embarrassing. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a bit like, oh, I don't re like I I'm not doing this to be in the limelight. Like like honestly, I'm not. Like I I do really enjoy doing this stuff and I don't mind being in this like I have MC'd at our events that we have done uh, kind of out of desperation, but I did really enjoy it. <laughs> um, and I probably said loads of stupid shit that I shouldn't have said, but whatever i had a great time that's the best bit of being an <laughs> do what you want yeah just do whatever you want everyone yeah. has to do what you say and then you know pippa's on the side going like stop 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 <laughs> oh, i'm the worst at that like when um when people like if you're if you've got a microphone and then people are trying to talk to you and they don't have a microphone like i can't lip read it's one of my fatal flaws oh no yeah and so if somebody's like doing hand gestures at you like i just i freak out and then i make it very known to everyone because <laughs> like hearing the microphone i'm like what you want me to stop the music you want me to turn it up like what do you want <laughs> yeah, oh, it's man. stressful yeah i don't envy mcs it's a really hard job <laughs> 
Um, yeah, like it's so easy to see when you're doing it wrong, uh, but it's actually really hard to do it right. So, mm. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like so many things. Like so many things. <laughs> oh, and everyone has an opinion, I know. Yeah, I have an opinion too, obviously. Mm. But I, yeah, I do really enjoy the buzz. Um, I, I, I don't care if no one knows who I am. Like... I would care if, you know, like my team didn't know who I was. That would be kind of an issue <laughs> from an organizational perspective. <laughs> but yeah, the best feelings are sometimes like the most stressful moments of your event. Like, you know, you're freaking out about whether this is going to come off right or some issues happen and it's, and it's taking ages to fix it. And you don't even know if it's going to be fixed or, you know, a sound issue or, uh, you know, someone's injured themselves or you know like someone has hasn't turned up for doing their thing that they need to be doing or mm. whatever it is it's that contrast i guess of like you know being in charge things being not quite right and fixing them and then really enjoying watching people having a great time whether that's people are really in the moment and putting their heart out there in like a performance or a competition or the band's having a really great time and they're kind of being in the moment and like creating a jam circle or just going rogue around the you know dance floor or you know <laughs> doing a conga line all the way out into the street or you know yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> or you know sometimes you just see those little moments where people are having a really good time and then you look at your team and you're like we made this yeah and like those are moments that yeah, you could put a price on that, but you can't force that to happen, you know? Like, yeah, you can set all the, put all the cards in the right order and, but it, you, you never know if people are gonna like it or hate it. And you never know if people are gonna get that magical feeling. Sometimes you don't even get that magical feeling, but it's like, yeah, it's it's a good challenge to try and kind of hope that the thing that you think is gonna be really cool is gonna be really cool for everyone else to enjoy as well yeah um so the next thing that I was wondering about is um what advice would you give to somebody who is looking to start an event in their home scene um but maybe hasn't done one before um I'm just thinking of people who might be in like smaller scenes or maybe they have an idea for a particular kind of event like a particular flavor of of um of an event, uh, what advice would you give to them in terms of like just starting out? Mm. Um, what do they need to know? Um, I guess it sounds like a really obvious thing and probably most people who would be going for that, they would already think about this, but there is a little fine line between making the event that you want to attend and making the event that the people want. And that's always really hard to know because, of course, we're one of the people. We know that this is what we like. Um, but having a a kind of feeling for what what are the things that are going to be helpful for your scene? Like, what are the things that your students or your colleagues or your peers, what is it? Because, you know, you don't have to be dancing for a really long time to make an event. You can be anyone. You can, as long as you have people on board who want to, make it happen or be involved or just you know happy to come to the event you kind of just need to know what do they need what do they want do they want to have like something where they just get to practice with their peers 
with someone guiding the way you know you could just have a whole weekend event with just one teaching couple or one teacher or two teachers or two teaching couples you don't have to have like a massive thing um is live music a really important thing that you introduce your scene to um and what value do you put on that that will determine what kind of band you bring in or you know whether it's a local band that maybe people haven't heard enough of or they've heard too much of or you know you need to kind of I guess get a feel for what what people want and then understand how much people are going to be willing to pay for that it's kind of figure out that balance of what do the people want what are they able to pay for what do you want to make happen and how can you kind of bring that all in mm. and then once you kind of know what's the things that are going to work you know you talk to people and you say hey I really want to make this happen um then just make sure you make your plans well in advance because I uh, not related to swing dancing but I was working with someone once and they were like oh yeah we want to make this event happen can you help I was like yeah sure and they were, I was like when when do you want this event to happen they were like oh next month and I was like that's not enough lead up time to like make all the things happen and obviously you can totally make something happen in a month but people are often busy or don't have money they need to save um so you need to give people enough time for them to make plans and then you need to have enough time to book all the things that need to happen for sure and yeah I think if you have been to lots of events, it's good to remember the things that you liked about going to other people's events and be like, oh yeah, I'll steal that. Or, you know, that's a really cool thing that they did. How can I make that happen in my scene? Um, you, you can't force jam circles to happen, or you can, <laughs> but like you can't force like magic to happen, but you can create the right environment for the things that you like to happen for sure. And there's gotta be that like kind of understanding about what is the focus of your event? I'm totally not that good at that. Like, I just want to have everything. <laughs> but, you know. Um, can it you, all be great? <laughs> can it just all be great? Can everyone just have limitless energy and just want to do everything? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, there's like a lot of events that I, I will always look up to as being not just really well run, but also just keeping the attendee in mind. Like when they're, being created obviously like everyone's got an opinion you know whether you're a beginner dancer or a really experienced dancer or another event organizer like, everyone's gonna and that every opinion is valid but it's hard you want to make sure that you're not only listening to the negative and you want to make sure that you you know that people will enjoy it but they won't always tell you that they're enjoying it they're more likely to tell you they're not enjoying it so it's, sometimes it's easy to hear the negative things and to focus on that as like, oh, those are the things that we need to change. Of course, sometimes you need to change those things. But if you only listen to the negatives, then you discount all the positives that maybe people didn't say. And I think good organizers will look to make changes that they can make happen. And some events have got like amazing resources, not just because, not even if they have a big scene, like you know, some of the biggest events are in a really small place where there aren't any swing dancers, but people flock there because the organizers are passionate about making an event that is exciting and has lots of, you know, great qualities that people value, that people continue to value because they listen to the feedback and they try to build every time on the good formulas that they already have. Mm. 
sorry i rambled a lot no it was great i loved it (laughs) (laughs) um are there any sort of like resources you would recommend to people that have maybe um maybe helped you in your work like whether it's like i don't know like budgeting software or like practical kind of tools that have helped you in your work if there's anything like that that you could kind of recommend i don't know i'm really bad that kind of thing so i like i do everything in google sheets (laughs) that's the job oh yeah i'm i'm not like a huge technology person like there's amazing organizers who create their own software or like have created their own databases or like you know they've got their own wristbanding system which is chipped or you know like all these amazing systems and oh like i think i saw on facebook one organizer was talking about how they designed an algorithm to help them with scheduling and i was like i would want that <laughs> I'm, scheduling is a fun game that i play like tetris yeah. but it, i i enjoy it but it would be great if i could just click a button and everything's scheduled yeah. and it all makes sense for, for teachers for students for venues like that would be amazing um so i'm sorry i have no tips because i just put like names in a hat and, like, <laughs> <them all off. laughs> oh yeah. man yeah i'm just shocking at that kind of thing i mean google is your friend like there's so much online that you can let like most of the things I know about spreadsheets, which is limited, let's be real, is from Googling, how can I make this happen? And then it says, oh, you do this formula and then you can click this and you add this plugin or blah, blah, blah. But I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not the one for that question. That's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, I'll give you a list of people you can ask about that, okay, that <laughs> if they good. want more resources. <laughs> yeah. Ask these people. They know about technology and apps and stuff. Well, I feel like that that's the thing, right, is is like knowing who to ask because mm. I honestly like when I see some of the events that you've worked on I'm like or, or anyone who makes anything creative really it's like not so much about how you did it but the fact that you did it and it's like clearly this was a great event and you worked really hard on this and kind of how you did it or how you managed to get there is irrelevant the event happened and it was great mm. so that speaks for itself. And we sometimes, well, like we love talking about how doing the event, it's like pushing a house up a hill. And then once you get to the event, it's just going to roll down the hill and there's nothing you can really, you can like try and move it as it's rolling down, but there's nothing you can do. Like everything's in the preparation. If you haven't built your house good, it's just going to collapse when it rolls down the hill. try and do your best and then when it gets to the time to push it down the hill like that's the end like yeah you just got to enjoy it going down (laughs) hope that nothing you know gets broken on the way wow what an analogy but it's great because (laughs) in so many ways it's like well you know like being an event organizer is like the skill of writing a million lists and sometimes those things that you've been pushing to the bottom of your list for weeks they aren't that important because then when your house is rolling down the hill, that thing is never going to get done. And it doesn't matter that it didn't get done because things continued and everything was fine. Um, and maybe then the next time you learn, oh, maybe if I had done that, then that would have been easier. Cool. Or maybe I'll prioritize that for next time. But yeah, it kind of gives you a little bit of feeling of relief. You know, I guess, well, I guess that's what the analogy speaks to me about as well is that like, you've done the best you can. There's only so much you can do. There's no point stressing about the things that you didn't do. You've just got to keep enjoying the thing that you're doing right now and what will be will be. 
Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I honestly, I think it's so profound. <laughs> like, I, I really feel that that's just like life as well. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like, you just have to be like, well, it's going, like, there's the house, it's going down the hill. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's nice. Like, there's lots of, um, I, I think there's something quite nice about being like, we honestly don't know what is going to happen. And like, it, you know, lots of things could happen. Some things are going to go wrong. Some things are going to go really well. And like to just accept that you can't control everything. Yeah. Um, like it was probably true for events and life. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's things that you can look ahead and prevent, but sometimes you don't even know what those things are going to be until they happen. There's been things that happened in one of last year's events where that's never happened before. And we we were like, how do we fix this? I guess we do this. Yeah, cool. Will you do that? I'll do that. Yeah, let's just wait and see. And maybe this won't resolve. Maybe it will. And there's that feeling of like panic because you've no idea how to fix this thing. And But then you know, okay, well, next time I guess we need to check this and this and this to make sure that that doesn't happen again. It might still happen, but at least we know that that's the thing that could happen. <laughs> um yeah I think it's but, like yeah. that concept of um learning by doing that's mm. what it sounds Definitely. like like you can't you can't plan everything and then the the best way to learn how to handle those things is to experience it yeah yeah and for sure like oh you know you you don't ever want to go blindly into something that you have no idea what it is like you know um of course you're gonna learn on the job but you don't want to burn the house down doing it you know you don't you don't want to have such an awful event that no one trusts you to make an event again or you know whatever but I don't think anyone would do that of course you're gonna try and think ahead about what are the things that you need to have happen and what are the safety measures that you need in place and make sure that you know you've got some friends or team of people to kind of help you out if you're not sure about something some things you can plan for and some things you can't Mm. plan for yeah and so I wanted to ask you what would be your uh sort of dream event like what kind of events would you um want to see or maybe the same events like how would you want to build on them and um what are things that you want to see like in more events internationally is there anything that is sort of like in your hopes and dreams in that respect um I feel like there's a lot of things and I yeah I think it's only recently that I felt like oh yeah I have I guess not just a responsibility to others but also a responsibility to myself and a responsibility to the scene in a way that I didn't realize before I think before I just thought oh well this is a thing that I do that I help with and you know as much as it is a thing that I get a kick out of doing it's a thing that I do rather than like something that I have control to influence because I'm not interested in power in that sense. I don't think of myself as having any. And then it's only recently I was thinking, oh yeah, I actually, I have power that I didn't realize I had and how do I feel about that? And I guess, you know, you've got responsibility to hire people who represent the scene and what does that mean? And I guess it's you know it's not something I thought enough about before and I feel like I want to do that more um consciously I want to make sure that I'm representing not just the people that are in our scene but the people that should be more in our scene and what are the things that we 
are upholding in our scene and how does the event that you run put that into perspective because obviously you want to create an event where people feel like they can learn they can grow they can enjoy the hobby that they're doing and they can find a place for themselves in that making things accessible and so on is important so yeah I would love to work on making events that I do better at those things or I guess just better at helping people find you know their place in Mm. the scene whether that's as a social dancer or as a local teacher or as a performer or you know as a DJ or as a volunteer you know all those things that we do in the scene that are really valued and you know making sure that people don't feel like it's a hierarchical thing you know that just because you're this doesn't mean that you're better than that person yeah. who's who's just a social that's not a thing you know like everyone is important like you know we couldn't run our scene without people who are willing to help out or people who are up for playing a few tunes at social or you know people who just want to come and pay their ticket and come and dance you know like we're all part of that little ecosystem sometimes people feel lost in a big festival where they feel like either they don't matter or like oh if I didn't go to that social no one would mind or notice I guess making people feel like they're valued and important and no one's valued over above over and above anyone else but how do you make that happen that's tricky yeah and maybe some people aren't interested in that they just want to <laughs> come and dance and have a good time and don't think about it <laughs> so yeah. maybe that's just like my own cerebral shit going on that I'm like oh I want to make sure people feel you know they have somewhere to do their thing and you know that's so nice I think that's so important as well you know maybe not everybody does think about it but I think like the fact that that you're thinking about it and that maybe other people are thinking about that means that at the end of the day people are going to have a better experience of events I think just having that in your mind while doing your work means that like your choices are going to be influenced by your values and it's just going to be intrinsically a part of the the nature of that event yeah hopefully I mean for sure like we've got carried away in the past and we thought oh this is a great idea this will be really fun and actually that wasn't that fun or you know people felt really disengaged from that or whatever but Mm. you know we don't come out as fully fledged perfect humans or perfect event organizers (laughs) and yeah for sure we're learning all the time oh cool well um what's coming up next for you this year I mean by the time this podcast comes out it'll probably be you know early to mid uh 2020 I would say if I could be so bold so (laughs) yeah what does the next kind of um like six months to a year look like for you what have you got going on well so we've got london swing festival which we mentioned a bit um is happening at the beginning of may this year which we're really excited about so that's i would say that's like the thing i work the most on or have done uh, which is really exciting i'm super excited and then um london throwdown is happening in beginning of september London Throwdown London is Throwdown. a competition weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I am not running that one this year. Um, so I've done my little handover and we've got an awesome team. Three people, three awesome people are organizing London Throwdown. Um, it's a super great event. It's really challenging. It's a lot of hard work. It's super rewarding. Like it's probably the most rewarding event that I've worked on. 
Um, and I'm really excited because the team are doing cool, awesome new things with it that we didn't have capacity to do. Um, and so I think it's going to be cool. This year's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, well, not obviously, but not all event organizers go by this rule, but we tend to have it that like, if you're an organizer of the event, you don't compete in any of the things. And I'm not an organizer this year, so maybe I will compete in oh, something, cool. which is going to be fun. I might not compete, yeah. but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I hadn't, it wasn't my reason for giving it up, obviously, but I was like, oh, I didn't realize that yeah, maybe I can do something. Um, so yeah, so that's exciting. And then Blues Baby Blues is in November, which is our annual blues festival, um, which I am more like an assistant on generally, but I work together with Pippa on that one too. Um, so yeah, so those are the events that are on the cards for me as an organizer. Cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, if we um, if we see you at an event or if anyone sees you at an event, uh, we can say hello yeah. and uh, give you some positive <laughs> Yeah, I feedback. think the things that I know, well, you can tell me any feedback, it just might not go in. I think <laughs> when I'm on the event day, I think I heard from one of my friends that when I'm when it's event day or event weekend I'll be listening to you but I'll be doing like the uh, shifty eyes and it's not because <laughs> I'm like being shifty it's because I'm like thinking about a million things at the same time that you're talking to me and I'm trying to really listen because I care about what you have to say but I'm also simultaneously thinking have we done this have we done this have we done this oh I need to do that next make sure I haven't done this don't forget to write this down a million things um <laughs> Not all organizers are like that for sure. Like I'm one of those annoying organizers that probably carries a clipboard around too much. But, um, and everyone's always saying, oh yeah, isn't it so great? They didn't even have a clipboard in their hands. Um, I don't hold a clipboard because I think it looks cool. It's just because I want to make sure I remember things and I'm really bad at remembering things unless I write it down. So um, yeah, so I am not a fully functioning human when it's event time i, I think uh, <laughs> i think the shifty eyes is funny because maybe what if like somebody had only met you at uh, events that you're running and they're like mckay's she's up to something like, <laughs> she's always looking around she looks so shifty <laughs> who is this person <laughs> why do they look so dodgy yeah oh yeah well, yeah that's cool yeah well, that's so yeah exciting. always always say hi yeah I, some I hope people don't feel scared of me. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe that's good. I don't know. <laughs> a bit of fear. As a, as a person, not a as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, I would want anyone to be scared of yeah. me. Yeah. Well, cool. Okay. So um, do you have anything um, that you want to plug? Like where can we find you on the internet? Are you on Instagram? What's the story? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. My, I think I made my account private this year because I was like, oh, there's some interesting people commenting on my stuff. So okay, gonna... should we leave the Instagram out? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you can follow me, and if I've met you, then of course you can. Okay, I will. I will approve you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm on Facebook too. Um, but I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, like come and say hi to me at swing dance events and we hang out have a cup of tea or something that sounds lovely it's um, very british i know well, i'm not cup even i'm not even like a big tea drinker but i don't drink coffee so <laughs> tea tea definitely yeah. tea and cake yeah yeah also just a little note um I, today i learned that you're a um you're a wonder cook uh, <laughs> i do love cooking a lot it's yeah. not always good but yeah um but yeah i do like i mean i um I made like 
I really enjoy making weird and wacky stuff. I made like really big cake for the Swing Patrol 10th anniversary and I made like I remember that. Like a really that was the biggest cake I ever made. It was stressful but fun. Um always tell myself never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but still happens somehow. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. if we ever want to talk to you about weird and wonderful food, please you're our gal. Me. I mean, if I meet new people from a different place, usually one of my first questions is, so what's the regional delicacy of your hometown? Mm. Um, because that's, and like, if they don't care about it, okay, we don't talk about that, then yeah. that's fine. But it's not too hard to do with like, you know, French and Italians. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is, this is the thing that we have in my place or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's very yeah, cool. Yeah, things. Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much for um, having a chat with me today. Thanks, Ruby. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. If you want to know more about Michaela, you can go to her website at michaeladelmonte.com. And she is currently offering some amazing online solo jazz courses as well as online privates. Um, Michaela is a wonderful person and a great dancer and a great instructor. So I really recommend uh, checking out her website and getting in touch with her about that. Um, if you enjoyed this episode today, you can subscribe to it if you haven't already so you know when new episodes come out. And you can also follow Swing Stuff on uh, social media. It's Swing Stuff Podcast on Instagram. Um, or if you want to just go to the website and choose the social media platform of your choice, it's swingstuff.com. I'd like to say a big thank you to the Shirt Tail Stompers for their recording of Tea for Two, which is our show theme tune. You can buy their music and support them uh, on Bandcamp, and they actually have a new album out at the moment, which is super exciting. If you like this episode, please share it, and I will see you next month for more chats on the Swing Stuff podcast. <laughs>